Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we're continuing our discussion about how the devil is a narcissist and some of the issues that he has plagued the body of Christ with practically since the beginning of time. This conversation was originally in response to the Mars Hill podcast series that talked about some of the issues that was going on in that church. And the response from that series was overwhelming. This series that we did, the original series, was one of our most popular and I think it's one of those things that we have to talk about because the Lord really wants to reveal things so he can heal them. So if this is not your jam, if you don't want to listen to this kind of content, I apologize. You can skip it. But for those of us that have been affected by narcissists in our lives, I think this is an important conversation we need to have. So I pray this conversation continues to bless you. There's a very real trauma. And this is one of the things that they said in this podcast that I think that was something I I wanted to speak on a little bit. There's a very real trauma that comes from systems that are like this. Spiritual trauma. That is not something that we talk about very often. Trauma is, again, another one of those buzzwords, which I hate because trauma is something that can destroy lives. And I guess I'm glad in the sense that it's getting the word out and people are understanding that there is a lot of reasons and dynamics that go into creating somebody's mental and emotional and spiritual life. But spiritual trauma is one of those things that we don't talk about at all, really. I mean, even when I was looking for resources on it for a class, there was very little that we could find on it. Spiritual trauma is a little bit different than other kinds of trauma because like in the example of Mars Hill, they talked about how as the man of God, If you doubted him, then you were put in this category of doubting God. And while there is an element of that, for sure, I mean, God ordains our leaders and and places them above us. They're not Jesus. They're human, which means that they are very susceptible to sin. And I think one of the dangers of the platform building church model, where it becomes about the brand of the pastor versus acting like Jesus. It becomes more about the platform building of the brand. What we saw with Mark Driscoll and what we've seen with some of these other leaders is they are propelled to a place because of their charisma, because of their natural ability and talent, they are propelled to a place that their character cannot sustain them. And that is something that we've heard a lot in the last couple of years, year or two, about some of these leaders are falling because they've been propelled and grown to a place where they they can't sustain that. I also think that there's this sense that God can work in those broken places. And that's one of the things that Marcel talks on. I think back throughout my life in seasons where I was really broken, really broken because of the different individuals in my life and some of the abuse that I suffered. But I still can look back and see God's hand. I was called into ministry at the age of 15. I lived in a very broken space at that point. 
But I met the Lord at that age, and I felt the call to full-time ministry at that age. I saw God do some amazing things despite the brokenness that I was living with. And so just because something is broken doesn't mean that God can't work in the midst of that. I think in the case of narcissism and trying to understand this, and I'm trying to remove myself from this personal application to perhaps somebody that has not lived this, there is a disconnect between the abuse and the abuser. And what I mean by that is there's typically like a Jekyll and Hyde scenario. So the famous CEO that is found out to have hidden sin in his life or or whatever it is, he was really good at his job, but he also had this other thing that was really terrible. I think that's what happens because n- narcissists have this tendency to have a very engaging personality and presence. And I think for all three in my life, people would not believe what was going on behind closed doors. I mean, they do have this track record of success and they rise to the top. There's just this sense of, well, they can't be that bad if they're able to pull themselves up by the bootstraps and get to the top. I think there's a season of that fruitfulness, but eventually what's going to happen is we're going to see what's there beneath it all when we hit moments like the unpredictable pandemic where the stress of that revealed so many things about the foundation of, of where people were standing. So I think one of the things that they point out that was really relevant was they said some people saw the bad because they were living it, but it was happening simultaneously because you could have very different experiences depending what part of the orbit you were in. I think that really relates to depending on where you're at in the orbit of the narcissist himself determines what your experience is. Those things can happen very simultaneously. The abusive husband could be charming and engaging and lovely to the cashier at the store and then get in the car and smack the wife in the face or degrade her within seconds. And it's that cashier would never suspect that of that husband. But yet that wife's experience is vastly different than what everybody else experiences. Or the the professional that is engaging and gets the promotion at work and pleases all the clients can behind closed doors be really abusive to the family at home. That's the reality of it. And so those things happen simultaneously. So when people say, well, I can't believe that, you know, Mark was doing such good, amazing things. He was. But that doesn't disregard the people that experience something different. And I think that is something that we have to be really conscious of in all of our experiences with people that are trying to share the abuse that they have suffered. Because the tendency is to say, well, number one, what do we hear all the time? Victim blaming. Well, what did you do to make him hit you? Or things like, well, surely he can't be that bad because he really helped me. Or I've known him for a long time. It really, it really can't be that bad. That temptation to not believe the accuser is deep-seated, but that's the thing that we need to stand up against. Because as the body of Christ, things will not get better if we continue to cover. Things are only going to get better if we expose. There is a cycle that the narcissist goes through. But one, and we'll get into that. I I don't think that's going to be today. I think it's going to be a different episode. But one of the aspects of that narcissistic cycle, part of what feeds that power and control wheel 
is what's called the narcissistic supply. And so if you've never heard of that, a narcissistic supply is the individual that the narcissist abuses to feel fulfilled with their own emotions. And so actually somebody explained it to me like this, a brilliant counselor that I was seeing. She said, you know, we're all ones. Imagine we are all ones as we go throughout our lives. And if you're healthy, you're one. But if you've been damaged or hurt or broken in any way, then you're probably more like a half. Depending on the level of abuse or damage, you might be three quarters or a quarter, but you know, say, say for illustration purposes, you're a half. Some people, the narcissist, they, in order to feel like a one, they have to go take a half from somebody else. And so pretty soon they take their half from somebody else and now they feel like a one. But guess what? It doesn't stop there because they feel so good as a one. Well, what if I could be a two? So they take a half from somebody else and a half from a third person. And pretty soon this guy's at a five and everybody else in his circle is at a half. That's what narcissism feels like. That's 100% what it feels like. And so part of coming out of the narcissistic abuse cycle is learning how to take your half back, how to be a one and how to guard it so nobody else takes it from you. And those are things like boundaries, saying no, and and we'll get into that, I think, in a, in a different episode. How we get there is a little bit different for everybody, but it's not automatic. And especially when you're talking a leader in your life, whether it's a boss or a church leader or somebody you just admire or respect or a parent, if there's that narcissistic tendency, well, the default position is to remain a half because they're an authority over you. And so what we have done is we've created this culture where there's so many of us walking around as a half, we don't have the energy to even stand up to the sixes. It's impossible. And so we've created this culture that not just created this dynamic, but that supports it and tolerates it. How do we get out of that? One of the things that was said that I found particularly disturbing in this first episode of this series was this talking about a pile of dead bodies lining up behind the bus. And so the bus metaphor, if you're not familiar, the bus metaphor is you got to get the right people on the bus. And so if you are a leader and you're driving a bus and you need a team to propel your vision, you need a bus full of people and you got to get the right people on the bus. And so that might be your accountant or your HR person or your program leader or in the case of a church or your associate pastor, whoever it's going to be. And so in the Mars Hill scenario, that was referring to like elders and board members, those kinds of things, church staff. Now, the healthy model would be if somebody wants to get off the bus, you let them off. But one of the things that he said was you're either on the bus or you get run over by the bus. That is point blank the reality of how narcissists see their lives. You're either with them or you're dead to them. There's this element called narcissistic injury, and it's often coupled with narcissistic rage. And so because the narcissist is so insecure, any shade of rejection, whether it's perceived rejection or actual rejection, results in a rage that immediately cuts you off or cuts you off at the knees. But beyond that, it seeks to kill the relationship in a way that 
isolates the offender so that the narcissist can be seen as the one that's right in the situation. And so what that might look like is, like in this case, elders, or I, I can't remember, you have to listen to it. I, it's either elders or board members, something like that. They approached him as the senior leader with something that they felt just needed resolved. It wasn't, it wasn't adding up. It really needed hammered out differently. It needed to be some more accountability, that kind of thing. Immediately, they were fired. They're either on the bus or they get run over by the bus. And not only were they run over by, by the bus, not only were they fired, but then a smear campaign started to isolate them and their families in a way that they no longer had a voice into the situation or wouldn't be believed even if they tried. That is very, very common. In a marriage relationship, what that might look like is there's a divorce. Like if a, if a, if somebody wants to divorce a narcissistic spouse, well then because of the narcissist's behavior, mind you, maybe it's physical abuse, uh, sexual abuse, spiritual abuse, emotional abuse, whatever it is, justified. And it's probably taken a long time to get to that place. If they try to leave or do leave out for divorce, then all of a sudden what you will find is a smear campaign that has completely drug that spouse's name through the mud to the point where family members, friends, school teachers, any kind of relationship that narcissist has access to will hear this smear campaign where the character will completely be drugged through the mud to the point where if that individual were to speak out against any of those accusations, they would be seen as fulfilling this framework that the narcissist has already, this picture that they've already painted. And so it's sometimes it's called post-separation abuse. You can look up, I think it's called the lemonade stand. Uh, Tina Swiffin, she does a really good graphic on that that explains that really well. Post-separation abuse and what that looks like in a marriage relationship. There's just this sense with a narcissistic leader, you're either for me or against me. You're either on the bus or it's not even off the bus. It's you're dead. You're a dead body behind the bus. And my thought on that, as I was hearing them kind of reveal that, I thought, well, what if you're just somebody that's ready to get off the bus? What if you got on the bus and you served on the bus for a long time and then it was just time to get off? God's moving you to a different bus. In that style of leadership, there's no room for that. Now, the goal should be, as much as it hurts the leader, to launch people because if we're launching people, or furthering the kingdom. That's what the goal should be. But instead, Mark Driscoll saw that as such an offense that you're now a dead body behind the bus. I think that is way too common as a culture. Okay, friends, we're going to stop here for today and continue and finish up our conversation about narcissism and church hurt and spiritual abuse in response to the Mars Hill story. We're going to finish that up tomorrow. I just want to say that if you are somebody that is maybe even for the first time realizing that your life has been impacted by a narcissist, there are resources available to help you. There are ways to deal with this. And if you need help, you can always reach out. It's rachel at shehears.org. And I offer life coaching and spiritual direction that very often helps people walk through the steps that they need to take in order to live a life that's a little bit more healthy and learn how to set boundaries and all those kinds of things. So I would love to walk alongside of you and help you if that's your scenario. So let me pray. Father God, I thank you that you are a God that longs for us to have freedom. 
And so perhaps today is the day that somebody that's listening recognizes that perhaps they've been bound in a way that you want them to have freedom from. Lord, I pray for eyes to be open, for hearts to be open, for people to be aware that this is going on inside of many, many churches across America. And Lord, help them to have the boldness and the courage to hold these people accountable. God, I pray for the people that are surrounding the narcissist even now that you would Help them to be ones instead of halves, that they would find completeness and wholeness in you. God, I thank you that you're a God that longs for us to experience healing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Real quick, friends, before we go, I just want to remind you that the show is actually partnered with Compassion International to bring healing and hope to broken kids all over the world. It's something that we can do through the gospel together. This show is actually tithing to Compassion International, but then beyond that, we're also doing a partnership where we are encouraging listeners to sponsor a child because it's through sponsorship that children get holistic care. And that's everything from the actual gospel and a Bible to physical care, to health and nutrition, to education. It can really mean the difference of life and death for children that are stuck living in poverty. So if you'd like more information on that, you can head to compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus. And for everybody that sponsors through that link, you will be sent a free copy of my book, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. Again, for more information, head to compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.